0: This morning we have the privilege of continuing in the series. Uh, that we have been in, in the book of Mark, as we are in the Jesus way. We're talking about the life and the teachings of Jesus. And this morning, we're going to look at probably one of the most beautiful stories of devotion that we see in all of Scripture. So if you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse number 3. As you turn there, we're in our New Testament reading plan for this year. And today, we kick off the book of Luke. So if you haven't been following along, this is a perfect time to jump in. Go to our website, Right at the top of our app, you can find the link for that. You can join one of the Bible reading plans, either with paper or one of the U version reading plans. We'd love for you to join in, all right? Would you stand with me as we're going to read our text here this morning? Primary text here for Mark chapter 14, verse 3 says this While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table, and the he was Jesus, just so you know, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those presents were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand over. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this story. It was written 2,000 years ago, but God, I I believe you want to speak to us through this story today. And so God, I pray that you would awaken it in our hearts. Give us ears to hear your voice. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said Amen. amen. You can be seated. All right, I want you to turn to your neighbor real quick. If you don't know your neighbor, you can introduce yourself. But I want you to turn to your neighbor. I want you to tell them what's the best or the most extravagant present you've ever received. Okay? The best or most extravagant present. If you don't know your neighbor, introduce yourself. Find somebody. Talk to them. All right. Anybody get a car? Did anybody get a car for a gift? No, but a couple people got a car. You need to make friends with them, apparently. That's that's great. (laughs) Well, as as Michael Scott said, uh, presents are the best way to show someone how much you care. You can point to it and say, I love you this many dollars worth, right? Right? It's kind of true. I don't know about you, but I tend to give the best presents and the most expensive presents to the people I like the most, right? My wife gets the most expensive presents in my life because I want her to know I like her the most, okay? She's my favorite. She's number one, so she gets the best presents. And although this story seems a little peculiar that we just read, like he's cracking perfume and pouring people's heads, it seems like kind of a, a weird story. This story proves the point, right? It proves this fact that we tend to give the best to those that we value the most. And this morning, we're gonna confront something that I think all of us get frustrated by. When we think about faith, when you think about Christianity, maybe even before you became a believer, I think a lot of us can look at it and we just despise this artificial idea of just like religious duty, right? This idea that I just gotta, I just gotta do right things and just fit some mold and then everything will be okay in my life. And, and this story shows that that's not really the point of faith, That's not what Jesus is interested in. That's not what he wants for your life. He wants something so much richer, so much better for your life than that, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to dig into this story. It's a a great story. We're going to look at just kind of the three sections of this story, and then I've got one clear uh, big so-what that I think is going to challenge and mess with us a little bit here this morning. So point number one just simply says this. It's her act. We're going to break the story down. Her act. In the story, who is the her that we're talking about in this story? This one that does this crazy thing. It doesn't say in this text, but there are parallel accounts. And the account that's found in the book of John, the gospel of John, it tells us that this is Mary. Now, which Mary? There's several Marys we talk about in scripture. This is the Mary. It's Martha and Mary, their sisters. And their brother is Lazarus. Remember the story when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? Okay, this is the sister of that guy. All right. And so it says that this Mary uh, is is coming and doing this act. Now, you'll remember there's another story in the New Testament. Remember there's a story where Martha and Mary are kind of hanging out with Jesus, and it says that Martha is busy doing all the work and doing all the stuff, and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha starts complaining to Jesus, like, Mary's not doing anything, right? She's not doing anything. Tell her to get off her butt and help me. And Jesus is like, you need to chill out, Martha, okay? She's doing the better thing. She's with me. And there's this clear understanding that Mary has this deep love and affection for Jesus. She cares about him deeply. And so because of that, Mary does something in this story that seems kind of weird to all of us. She takes this alabaster jar of pure nard. Now, all, how many of you have a pure nard at home? You got the pure nard at home? Pure no, yeah, yeah, we got the pure nard. I think that's just, we all do, right? That's just normal. A pure nard, what is pure nard? It is a perfume, it comes from the root of this plant in India. Remember, we're in Israel, this is, it's coming from India. This is very, very expensive. This is kind of a rare thing. And what they would do with perfumes, they would put them into different jars. And alabaster, I read something that alabaster jars are like the best of the best. If you want the best jar to hold a perfume, it is alabaster. And it they would do is they would... order to get any of the oil out of this, you actually had to break it open. And so what does she do? She takes this thing that is actually crazy expensive. They said like a year's salary. Think about it, your salary for a year, something that valuable. And you're gonna crack this sucker open right here. It's a big deal. And so it says she cracks it open and she pours some of it on Jesus' head. She anoints him with it. And it's, it's so much more than that, though, because if you read, the, uh, what does it say? She, she pours it on his head, right? And then she pours some on his feet and then takes her hair and she wipes it all off. I'm just going to say this. I love you all, but I'm never going to wash your feet with my hair, okay? This is not going to happen. Part of the reason I don't have much hair to use, but I'm just not going to do that. Okay? She, but she does this. Now, why would she do this? Like, it seems kind of peculiar to us. Now, there is a sense in this period, this is a festival's going on. This is kind of leading up to the Passover. They would sometimes anoint people with that, but that's not really what's going on because everybody in the room thinks this is like over the top. It's clear that this is an act of humble devotion. It's clear that this woman is saying, this is how much I care for you. This is how much I love you. There is literally nothing I am holding. This is like an over-the-top expression of extravagant love for Jesus, okay? Now, how do we know that so clearly that this is an over-the-top expression? It's because of number two, their response. (laughs) What is their response? Look what it says in verse four. Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. What do they do? They rebuke her harshly. They're like harassing her. She just did what she thought was the greatest thing, and they're just tearing her apart. Has that ever happened to you before? Like where you think you're doing the right thing, like you're doing something good. Maybe you're trying to be faithful to somebody. You're just trying to do the right thing. You're trying to do the moral thing. You're trying to be faithful to your boss. You're trying to support them, or you're trying to be faithful to your spouse. You're trying to be faithful to God, and you kind of get the brunt of it, right? Right? People kind of tear you apart for it. I think it can happen sometimes. I heard this story. uh, I was reading this article a couple weeks ago. True story. It was in a newspaper. It took place in Florida, and there was this guy, and he was a lifeguard uh, for one of the beaches in Florida. And he's up there. He's in his post, and there's this uh, kind of uh, roped-off area. You know, they have roped-off areas, and that's what he's responsible to guard. So he's doing that, and he's sitting up there. And all of a sudden, he starts hearing this screaming off to the side. And these people come running. there's person drowning. They're drowning. And he looks off into the distance. And just beyond the barrier, there's somebody out there drowning. Now, there's signs that say, you know, you know, you're on your own if you go out there. Like, figure it out yourself, you know. But he sees the person drowning, and he runs after him, right? He gets out there. They're able to get the guy in. He does CPR on the guy. Rescue saves the guy's life. Next day, finds out he got fired. Why? Because he left his post. And he saved somebody that was beyond the barrier. Like, ridiculous. They ended up taking so much flack in the press that they offered him his job back. And he's like, nah, I'm not working for you if that's how you are. But, but sometimes that can happen in our lives. Like, we do the right thing. Like, I did. Like, he did, he's rescuing a person's life. I think that's his job. And yet, he gets fired over it. This can happen to us sometimes. And this is what happens to Mary. She's showing her love and affection. She's showing, Jesus, this is how much I love you. This is how extravagantly I love you. And they actually humiliate her in front of everybody. But what what the gospel of John does is it reveals something more to the story so you understand why they made such a big deal. Because you know who in John is the one who makes the comment? It's Judas. Judas. What does he say? He's like, what about the poor, Jesus? We should have sold sold this thing off and got the money. You know why he said that? Because Judas would steal from the money bag. So what's actually going on in this story? He was annoyed because he was a thief. It wasn't because he cared about the poor. Her act of devotion actually impeded on his wallet. That's why he was ticked off. He was mad about it. Now, have you ever had that happen to you? What am I saying? Because I've had this happen to me. I see somebody else do something good. I see somebody else do something generous. I see them do the right thing. And I can get annoyed or I can get frustrated. Why? Maybe it's because it makes me feel bad a little bit. (laughs) Well, they did the right. Oh, they were generous. Oh, man. I should have been generous too, right? Or maybe they do the right thing, whatever. And I get mad because I feel bad about or It makes me look bad. Like, we can all have these moments happen where other person's faithfulness, other person's generosity, other per- person's righteousness actually challenges our heart. And this is what's happening here. Instead of celebrating Mary's extravagant love and devotion, they're mocking it. Now, think about it. There's sometimes people that you watch and you're like, man, they're faithfully following Jesus. Oh, they're just being crazy. Oh, that's a, they're, they're, being super, they're being too spiritual. That's a little over the top. I know I've said that to myself. It's possible we're just being challenged by somebody who's taking a, a step maybe that we should have already taken. Yeah, good, right? You know, maybe, they're meddling, maybe their life is starting to meddle with us a little bit. We've got to think about it. So we've got her action. We've got Jesus response, or their response. And the third point is this. It's Jesus' response. Jesus' response. What does he say in verse number six? He says, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing thing to me. So the poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She did what she could. See, Jesus knew the cost of the perfume. It's not like he was ignorant of the cost of the perfume. He knew this was expensive. He knew that there were other things that could have been done with this money. They could have used it for anything else, but he also knew this. He knew the heart of the woman who did it, and he knew that it was irrational but she did it because it was an act of love. She did it because she was devoted to him. Her heart was completely devoted to him. You see, sometimes devoted hearts sometimes do things that seem ridiculous. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because some of you guys out there were rough and tough. You were all tough. You were just being like, "Um, I'm a man. I do manly things, that's what I do. And then you fell in love, right? And then you're like, hey, sweetums, hey, Pookie, right? (laughs) Pookie, thou wast to be the greatest woman in the world. You're like (laughs) quoting Shakespeare to them, right? You do ridiculous stuff. Why? Because you're in love. And when you love somebody, it kind of can change things at times. Your devotion to someone affects what you are willing to do for them. There's a story in the Old Testament. It's a story of, uh, of David. Some of you are familiar with this story. It's kind of a crazy story. The Ark of the Covenant is being brought back. They've rescued the Ark. And King David is king at the time. And what does King David do? He's dancing. He's like before the Ark. He's celebrating and dancing the whole way while they're bringing this Ark back. It's kind of crazy. And he's a king, so kings usually wear all the garbs. And he takes off all of his royal garbs, right? And he's dancing and just praising and celebrating God because the Ark of the Covenant is returning home. And he gets back, and what does his wife say to him? You're being ridiculous. Quit acting like that. <laughs> Read the story. He's like, you're being ridiculous. Because he, he took off his outer gloves. He's wearing this linen ephod. And most likely, that's just like this linen garment. Like, you're a king. Like, that might be a little see-through. You need to put some more clothes on. Because he says, listen, you're running around half naked right in front of the slave girls. What are you doing? That's below you. And he says, I have to celebrate my God. I have to, I don't care. He says, I'll be even more undignified than this to celebrate and worship my God. Why? Because he's worthy of it. He's worthy of my devotion. It doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what other people think. I don't even care what my wife thinks at this moment. What he thinks matters more than anything else. And he's worshiping, he's dancing, and he's celebrating his God. And that's exactly what this woman is doing in this moment. And Jesus affirms her actions. This crazy, extravagant gift of love. He says, listen, this is what matters. This is important. Why? Because he sees her heart, and her heart says, I love you, and I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what anybody else thinks. God, I want to give everything I've got to you. That's what I care about. So this is the act. It's beautiful. It's kind of crazy, but it's beautiful. But I want to get to our, our big so-what this morning, because I always say, okay, well, what are we going to do with this This story? So that's a, a beautiful story. That's nice. None of us are probably going to anoint Jesus' feet with oil. That's fine. Okay, but what are we supposed to do with this? And here's the big so-what for this morning. It's this. The object of our devotion Determines our priorities. The object of our devotion determines our priorities. What do I mean by this? I think you're gonna see this. There are two characters that prove this statement in this story. Who's the first? Judas. What was the object of his devotion? Himself. And what did it show itself through? His priorities. What was he most interested in this story? The money. How do you, no, 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 no. How do we get the money? Why? Because that's what I care about. How do I get more of my money? That's what matters to me. See, he was in proximity to Jesus, but his heart couldn't be further from him. And I think it's a challenge for us because it's possible to be in proximity to spiritual things. It's possible to be in proximity to, to Jesus. To be, I come to church, right? I listen to KTIS radio. I'm in proximity to spiritual things and to still be far from him. And that's the story of Judas. Oh, he knew all the stories. He could have quoted all the verses, right? He was there. He heard all the stories. He knew everything Jesus said. Didn't matter because his heart was so far from him. But then we have this woman, Mary. She does a crazy thing, right? She does the crazy thing. She says, man, I want to, I want to give everything that I've got. There's nothing that I'm going to withhold. Her devotion was shown through her priorities because her priorities are different than a lot of our priorities are. Because of her devotion to Christ, suddenly she didn't care about money anymore. Because if she cared about the money, she wouldn't have been just breaking this thing open. No, she said, I should sell this. I can just tell Jesus I love him, right? Just say, hey, Jesus, I love you. I'm devoted. Cool. Let's go sell this off, But she didn't do that. She said, listen, all that stuff is getting reoriented because my devotion to you is greater. It matters more. You you matter more than my stuff does. But it was more than just that. Her priorities when it came to what people thought of her were thrown out the door. Because if her devotion was to herself, then she wouldn't make a fool of herself. She wouldn't do something that was kind of over the top that everybody was going to talk about. She wouldn't do that. So no, I'm going to be prim and proper. I'm going to be the lady. I'm not going to do any of those kind of things. But instead, no, I don't really care. My devotion is to Jesus. And I don't care what Judah says. I don't care what any of the other disciples think. I don't care what anybody else thinks about my life. I'm here to serve him. All of my priorities get reoriented because my devotion is toward Christ. See, that's the story that we see here. And I think it's this, the challenge that every single one of us needs to get a hold of because it's this, devotion to Christ Must reorder our priorities. Devotion to Christ must reorder our priorities. Otherwise, is it really devotion? Think about it this way, and I've been thinking about this myself. If my priorities look like everybody else, then I need to ask, am I really devoted to Christ? Like if someone looked at my life compared to anybody else who says they don't follow Christ, and my priorities don't look any different than theirs do, then am I really devoted to Christ? Or am I devoted to the same things everybody else is, to my comfort, to what's good for me, what's good for my family, what's easy? Like, where's my devotion at? I think we have to think about that. We have to allow the Spirit to kind of speak to us. And and I, I pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to challenge us. Another way you can look at this or flip this on its head is this. Whatever my priority is, is what I'm devoted to. The things that get the attention in my life, the things that get the priority in my life, that really is what I'm devoted to. That's where my devotion lies. It doesn't really matter what I say. It doesn't matter what I think. It's what is my life proving. And so what I wanna do is I I wanna give us a chance just to to look at two different practical areas. And again, I'm gonna pray that the Holy Spirit just kind of speaks to us a little bit, challenges us a little bit in this area. And that's what are your priorities? When you look at your calendar, what gets your priority? If you think about over the last week, think about in your own life. Just think of the last week, your schedule over the last week. If somebody looked at your schedule, if you looked at your schedule and said, does this demonstrate devotion to Christ or devotion to something else? Think about it. What does it look like? You say, "Um, I don't know that my calendar would look any different than anybody else. I don't know that there's anything in my calendar that would prove that I do love Christ Oh I do I say that Does my calendar show that though? Does my devotion to Christ Actually impact The way that I live my life? And I would say the same thing About something as simple As like our bank account Is there anything In our bank account That says man Clearly this person's devoted to Christ If somebody looked At your bank account And said, they'd say There's clear indication That the kingdom of God Matters more than anything else In this person's life Or would they say Eh it just kind of looks Like everybody else I don't know It's something we have to think about because I don't want to be in, I don't want, maybe you do, but I don't want to be in proximity to Christ and still be far from him. I don't want to be in proximity to spiritual things and like everybody thinks I'm so spiritual because I'm up here on this stage. I want my life to genuinely reflect it. When Christ looks at me, I want him to say, he did what he could. He did what he could. What was in his hands, he was faithful with. The time that I gave him, he was faithful with. The money I gave him, the resources I gave him, he was faithful with. He was constantly saying, how can I prioritize Christ in my kingdom as opposed to me prioritizing my world? That's what I want for my life. And that's what I want for us as followers of Christ, that we would respond. Must reorder our priorities. There was a story that I heard, uh, I read this past. She loved it. You know, it was so much fun to be able to do what she always wanted to. But very quickly, she was a follower of Christ, and she realized there's some problems here because faithfulness to Christ is really in conflict with a lot of the stuff that's going on. And over and over, she was constantly being invited to the things that she knew she didn't want to be a part of, and yet, you know, she's like, no, I want to stay faithful to Christ. And so she kind of felt on the outside of bit, and it was a challenge. This was her love. This was the thing she had spent her whole life working to be able to do. Eventually, it came to a new year Started, We're going to support this year as a team. And she finally got to the end and she's like, I just can't stay faithful to Christ and continue in this. And it was her, I mean, she had given everything in her life to this moment, but she knew she just couldn't stay devoted to Christ. Her devotion to Christ was greater than her devotion to basketball and her priorities changed. And she had to go to the coach and say, I need to step down, I can't be on this team anymore. Now, is every single one of us, we have to quit everything that we're a part of? No. The question is, does our devotion to Christ orient our priorities differently than other people? Does it affect our priorities? You don't have to go any further than the Schleybachs that we brought up here today. To say, that's, that's a challenge, man. They're a lot of me. A year ago, seriously, he gets a call. Yep, you gotta go to the airport right now. You've been kicked out of the country. He gets 20 minutes to grab one bag, kiss his wife goodbye, and get on a plane. It'd be very easy in that moment to say, we're done. <laughs> okay, Jesus, thanks, we gave as much as we could. Clearly we're done. All right, let's go on to something else. But their priority is not that. Their devotion is to Christ to say, God, I want to be devoted to you, whatever you ask of me. And they felt God say, no, we're asking you now to go to a new nation. And so they said, okay, God, we'll do that. And it's going to show itself through our priorities because our priority is not just comfort and easy. Our priority is how can we bring the hope of Christ somewhere else? And I know them and I know their heart. And heartbeat is just simply, as he shared this morning, to, to bring the hope that they've received to somebody else. Because what's the story of the gospel? Same thing. See, Christ's devotion to you and to me was deeper than his comfort. His priority, if his priority was comfort, easy, what simple, it would not be us. You say, figure it out yourself, folks. But his devotion to you said, listen, I'm willing to accept pain. I'm willing to lay my life down for the sake of those who are far from me because he cares about you deeply. He loves you intimately and he wants something great for you and he was willing to be devoted to you so that you could receive it. And the challenge for us as followers of Christ is simply to receive the, the love and the grace that he has given, that he has extravagantly poured out on us. To receive that and to say, God, my response to you and your love is not simple religious duty. God, my response to you is to orient everything in my life, every priority to say, God, I want to worship you. God, when people look at my finances, may you be honored. When people look at the way that I relate to others, would you be honored? When people look at my calendar, God, would you be honored? When people listen to the words coming out of my mouth, would you be honored? God, the attitude that I care, the demeanor that I carry, God, would it honor you? Would I show my devotion to you? Why? Because you're worthy of my devotion. You've earned that right, God. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. God, may everything I have be for you. That's the challenge of us as followers of Christ. So I wanna, I wanna just close this morning and give us an opportunity to respond because I think there's two groups that may need to respond here this morning. I'm sure there's some of us that we'd say, man, if I, I look at my life, you know, maybe I've gotten a little sloppy. This is just a gentle callback. A gentle callback to say, let's not do the duty thing, let's do the devotion thing, right? Let's let's allow our hearts to be devoted to Christ, and maybe it, it takes a practical step sometimes. But God, I want I want to increase my devotion, whatever that looks like. I'm gonna I'm gonna invite you back in some ways this morning, but I know I know this. There are probably some people right now that you feel the heaviness in a in a a lack of spiritual life right now. You may feel spiritually dead, and you're like God. I don't even know how to muster up that devotion. (laughs) I just don't know how to feel it because I just don't feel it right now. I want to pray over you because you're not alone. I I have people come talk to me on a regular basis. Guess what? Sometimes I feel that way too, okay? It's okay. Let's open our hearts to God. Let's turn to him again and allow him to speak to us, all right? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we thank you so much that you're constantly inviting us into something better. God, that you are... Desiring not just religious duty and religious dogma, you're desiring an intimate relationship. And Lord, we admit sometimes we are satisfied with something less than that. We don't want that. God, I don't want to just go through motions. God, I want to pursue you with everything that I've got. And Lord, I pray right now for this room. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. There's areas in our life where just, there's not devotion. If it comes to our calendar, man, there's no devotion there. God, our priorities are still a little out of place and it, aren't, it isn't showing devotion to you, Lord pray that you would speak to us right now. With every head bow, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you say, you know what? I feel like I, I, I want to say I'm devoted to Christ, but man, I just feel like I'm a little cold and a little far from him right now. And uh, you're just, you want to say, God, I, I want to turn to you in a fresh way. If that's you, would you just lift a hand just as an advocate for yourself to say, God, I want to just lean in a little bit more on my spiritual walk. I want to walk towards you a little bit more. Just raise a hand. Just say, God, yeah, that's me. I want to lean into my faith a little bit more. Yeah. God, I pray that you call us into a deeper place, Lord. Call us into a deeper place. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to talk. To, if there's anybody here in the room, and you would just say, "I feel spiritually dead right now." It's not that I don't love Jesus. I just seriously, I just don't feel anything. There's no passion anymore. And I really want God to just do something in my heart. If that's you this morning, with every head bow, every eye closed, just as a humble act to say, "God, that's me," and I want to turn. I need some help here, Lord. Would you just lift a hand to say, "God, I need you." You're just feeling spiritually dry. It's okay happens. You're just feeling spiritually dry. Yeah, God, I pray that you would just speak to people right now. God, I pray that you would meet with them right now. God, I pray that you would just soften hearts that maybe just feel a little cold or hard to you. God, our desire is to know you deeply. Our, our desire is intimate relationship, and if we're not feeling it right now, it's okay. Sometimes we just choose to be devoted anyways, but Lord, I pray that you'd begin to, to just break down any walls, any barriers, Lord. Father, when they get into your word, that they would just be, they just feel like the the word is jumping off the page, just speaking life into their hearts right now. God, would you do that in their hearts, Lord? Do that in our lives, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.